Sociocast presents coverage of the 2019 election for the presidency and vice presidency of the American Sociological Association. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College. To give voters a better sense of the candidates, we asked the four major office candidates to answer seven questions about the discipline, the association, and their vision for both. To hear the other candidates, visit www.sociocast.org slash ASA2019. I hope you enjoyed the interview. We are here with Shelley Carell, Professor of Sociology and Director of the Clayman Institute for Gender Research and the Center for Women's Leadership at Stanford University. She is a presidential candidate for the American Sociological Association. Uh, thank you for joining us, Professor Carell. It's great to be here. Can you begin by telling us about yourself and your work? Yeah, and I, I guess I would like to just start by saying how deeply honored I am to be nominated for the uh, ASA president. Um, I, I was a first-generation college student, and when I arrived at college, I had no idea what sociology was or what even being a professor was. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just blowing me away to have this opportunity, and I'm, I'm deeply grateful. Um, so you asked me to say a little bit about my work. Um, throughout my career, really since I've started graduate school, I've been interested in why uh, progress towards gender equality has been so slow. I mean, why does gender inequality persist over kind of large scale changes in the structure of our work and our economic system over the increasing enrollment of um, women in, in college? Um, gen why is gender inequality so durable? And in, in particular, I've studied how uh, widely shared beliefs about gender, um, what we commonly refer to as gender stereotypes, do this reproductive work, reproducing gender inequality. Um, and as I think about that work, and as well as all the other research out there that gender scholars have done, um, as, as you know, I think that as a community, we've just amassed an, an amazing amount of evidence about how gender inequality is produced and how it's maintained. And, you know, this work has increasingly become more intersectional, um, looking at how these processes operate um, for women across different class backgrounds, uh, race, ethnicity, parental status, and the like. Um, and the work has expanded to look at the uh, roles of stereotypes um, for non-binary folks as well. So it's just, a, it's just stunning how much, uh, how much we've learned about the reproduction of gender inequality. But what we know a lot less about is how we can overcome these barriers. And that's really where my work has turned over the last um, decade or so. Um, I'm currently conducting field work in several different organizations, studying how um, organizational processes and practices can be altered or changed to get beyond the negative effects of stereotypes. And the goal here is to think about how we can break down existing status and power hierarchies and move to a more um, equitable world. And so um, it's this it's this research I, I wanted to highlight when you asked that question, because this is the expertise that I would draw on if I were elected to, uh, AS, to the ASA presidency, asking how ASA as an organization can work more effectively for, for our diverse membership. In your opinion, what do sociologists do? What's our role in society? What's the purpose of our profession? Yeah, I think speaking um, very generally, the work of sociologists is to uncover the workings of the social world that are often um, taken for granted or invisible to us. And so to me, this means um, asking um, why the world is the way it is and uh, not some other way. And and for, in thinking about those questions, um, and, and I think about what the purpose of answering them is. And for me, um, the purpose is to imagine uh, pathways to a better world. 
Um, I'm a firm believer and have been throughout my career that, that sociological knowledge is immensely useful and that the knowledge we create can and should be put into action to improve our organizations and institutions. So in my current research, for example, my colleagues and I have successfully partnered with managers in several different organizations to design and test interventions to reduce gender inequality in their organization. And I have to say, out of all the research I've done, this has been some of the most enjoyable because it's really amazing to see how sociological knowledge can produce positive change. In your view, what's the ASA's job? Whom does it serve? What does it do? What's its role in the discipline? Well, I think first, as a professional, a professional association, ASA's top priority, priority is to support and protect the ability of its members to produce and disseminate sociological knowledge. So in that sense, ASA serves us, the members of the organization. But since the knowledge that we produce um, has the potential to be transformative um, for our students and for our organizations and our institutions, ASA also serves the larger community of people who benefit from our expertise. And then if you think about, you know, beyond safeguarding our ability to produce and disseminate sociological knowledge, I think ASA plays a very important convening role, um, facilitating connections amongst uh, sociologists who we might not otherwise have access to. So I think about like my own work um, and my own understanding of sociology of the discipline has been so greatly enhanced by the people I've met serving on ASA committees and attending the ASA annual meetings. And I, I wouldn't have met these people any other way. And, you know, these connections, I think, are important um, to us as a discipline, both because they enhance the production of knowledge and they also give us a way to break down barriers amongst people in different places in our discipline by bringing people together who might not otherwise have contact with each other. What is your sense of the biggest issues facing our discipline? Do you have ideas about how to engage them? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of issues facing our discipline and other disciplines as well. I mean, first, um, academic knowledge um, in general, the work that academics do, has uh, come to be viewed with suspicion um, lately, and this is affecting all of our disciplines. But since many sociologists produce knowledge uh, that it challenges existing power and status hierarchies, our knowledge can feel especially threatening to people in power. And indeed, we've seen faculty who teach courses and conduct research in the areas of gender and race, for example, have been subjected to intense scrutiny by the outside world, in, case, in some cases, harassment and hostility. Um, we've also recently witnessed the right-wing government in Hungary who banning gender studies from its approved master's programs, for example. And so I think ASA has an important role to play here in speaking out against such attacks on knowledge, um, as uh, President Mary Romero has, has recently done in the case of Hungary. You know, so there's those kind of changes, but we also face some challenges in, internally, too. Um, our membership is diverse in many ways, which is which is its great strength. And I have to say it's a great source of pride to me. I love being part of an organization that is as diverse as ASA is. But we know that diversity is not the same thing as inclusion. And I think we have to keep finding ways to ensure that ASA works for all sociologists, whether they be faculty, policymakers, activists, and regardless of the type of institution um, from where we come. So to me, this means critically examining our operating procedures, small and large, and asking if they're serving some groups better than others. So I'll just give a, a small example. Um, ASA um, paper submissions for our annual meetings are due in early January, when many faculty are on winter break. We might ask if that due date is better for some groups than for others. I mean, if you're for a lot of us, if we have time off during winter break, this might be the perfect time to really delve in and write a paper. But if you're a faculty member with young children at home and the children are also home from break, that might not be the most ideal time. 
So, you know, is this, so this is an example of something we could examine and ask, is this working for everyone? And so um, to that end, I was just so glad to see that this issue was raised as well as many others in the um, ASA member survey, which recently went out. Um, and I would just urge anybody out there that hasn't taken that survey to do so, because I think it's really going to give us um, a good diagnostic tool to figure out um, where we could be doing a better job um, in our organization to be more truly inclusive. And I think that's, that's really one of the fundamental challenges that we're facing. So I solicited questions from colleagues who are conversant uh, with us, and uh, these are the three that were chosen for this series. So here's the first question from uh, our colleagues. Um, if you are elected, what goals will motivate your presidency? What will be distinct about the ASA under your guidance? Yeah, I think um, my presidency is going to be motivated by two questions that really motivate, um, you know, all the work I do as a sociologist. And the first is how can we make our organizations, including ASA, work better for all its members and its potential members? How can ASA be made uh, more inclusive? And, and as I just mentioned, I think the results of this ASA member survey should be very helpful in this regard. And if I'm elected, I'm committed to acting on the results of this survey and using it as a diagnostic to figure out where we might intervene to make ASA as an organization more inclusive. And the second question that motivates me is how can the knowledge we produce as sociologists be put into action to bring about positive change in our institutions and our society. And so if I'm, I'm elected, my thematic focus would take up this very question, asking how sociology can be put to work for social good. Do you think that the claimed, quote, divide, unquote, in sociology between dispassionate empiricism and activism is accurate or overstated? Do you think that talking about it is generative and productive or divisive? What uh, will you do to make everyone feel represented within the Big Ten? Yeah, I think this is a this is a really important question, and this is an important issue um, in our discipline um, at this time. And you know, I suspect there is a divide, and it is overstated. Um, like any dichotomy, uh, drawing attention to two categories, in this case, the dispassionate empiricist versus the activist, um, it, ex it exaggerates our perception of difference. And plus, once categories are named, people begin to feel some pressure to identify with one or another. And if this happens, it becomes divisive. Um, so, you know, if you've been around for a while, um, you likely remember when our discipline and some departments were fractured over a different dichotomy, and that is the qualitative versus quantitative methods divide. And it was interestingly, this eventually resulted in mixed methods becoming the thing if you were a person who was about to go on the job market. So I wonder there how we move from divisive to appreciating both categories, if you will. And, you know, as I think about this, you know, in truth, most sociologists are neither totally a dispassionate empiricist or an activist with no concern for empirics. So this makes me think that perhaps one way to move forward into a, from a less, from a more divisive standpoint into a more productive generative space is to intentionally focus our attention on the very question of why we have this divide and whether like the quantitative qualitative methods divide of the past, we're missing an opportunity to do better work by working across this difference. And here again, I think that, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to be elected president, um, I plan to have a thematic focus around the idea of sociology for social good, asking how we can put our knowledge to work for the betterment of our world. And, and what I'm hoping is that this theme will bring in the Big Ten. 
including policymakers, public sociologists, activists, and other faculty interested in social change. And I, you know, I know this question will also likely generate a discussion about whether focusing on sociology for social good is even a good idea, but I welcome that having that intellectual discussion. Sociologists are concerned about inequality, and we know that a lot of inequality exists in our discipline. Virtually everything we do is suffused with inequality, and some argue unfairness. The teaching we deliver our undergrads, access to good graduate programs, opportunities to get good faculty jobs, access to research money and platform, and so on. Which inequalities within sociology concern you, and do you have ideas about how to engage it? This is an, another very good question, and it's especially a, a it's a hard one too. Um, as a scholar who studies inequalities within organizations, you know I've long been deeply concerned about both inequality in access. So in this case, who has access to good grad programs, which of course then affects who has access to good jobs and good grants, and to inequalities that come about through processes within an organization. Um, and so these are both kind of if we think about this, these are sort of diversity questions and inclusion questions. Um, and, and it's interesting because as a discipline, we understand the production and reproduction of inequality probably better than any other discipline. But this certainly doesn't mean we're immune from producing it ourselves. So when I think about how ASA can make progress, um, I, think we should, I think we should first start with acknowledging some of the things we've done well. Um, I've been very impressed with the recent effort to eradicate um, harassment, sexual harassment, and other forms of harassment um, from our discipline and from our annual meetings. You know, when ASA here created a working group and staffed it with a diverse group of sociologists, and I believe they're asking the right questions and producing some actionable changes. Um, and we can learn from this, and there is certainly much more to do. Um, on the inclusion side, I think we need to critically and continually question um, our, our, our taken-for-granted operating procedures, asking whether they could be having unintentional negative effects on some groups. So things seemingly as mundane as when and where our meetings are held could be limiting the full participation of all of our members. And so I'm hopeful that the results of this new uh, member survey will, will unearth areas where we can improve. The diversity and access question is harder for a professional association to address since the association does not control things like graduate admissions, hiring, or grants. But we know that the efforts are in place within our universities. I mean, universities are increasingly offering postdoc positions to members of underrepresented groups that can lead to faculty positions. Many universities are incentivizing departments to diversify their grad programs. So it would be good if we could study whether and to what extent these programs are effective. Are they producing more diverse faculty and grad students? Are they doing more than bringing folks in the door? Are they creating an environment that's inclusive and supportive? And if, if, there, if we could get some research around that, I think there would be about what works and what doesn't. I think there would be some role for ASA to play in drafting and disseminating best practices to improve access, um, as well as to think about the way that ASA itself could be more inclusive. This has been SocioCast's coverage of the 2019 ASA presidential and vice presidential elections. For more, go to sociocast.org slash ASA 2019. Our producer is Lisseth Moreno. I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.